You're listening to the Crystal Clarity Podcast. Today's episode is for anybody who has ever thought about healing with stones and crystals. Whether you're a massage therapist and you have some selenite in your room or you put some stones on the body or you're an acupuncturist or you're any other kind of healer and you bring stone medicine or crystal healing into the fold and maybe you're a person who is not a healer. Maybe you just take care of business around your house. You give crystals to your kids. You have crystals at the front door of your house. Maybe you're someone that just has a connection with stones and crystals. This episode is all about the difference between stone medicine and crystal healing. And it's really interesting to think about how the crystal healing word kind of came up in the very early seventies and awakened with the awakening that humanity was going through in the West in the early seventies, we kind of got a pop of consciousness and stone medicine is a term that goes back to ancient Taoist China and started a long time ago with catalog and research on stones and minerals for healing. And what is the difference between these two worlds? I think that you'll learn a lot in today's episode about who you are, where you want to position yourself and the depth that is available from stones and crystals, some of which is still so hidden. I mean, less than 1% of the population would even recognize the word stone medicine. So let's go into this episode and just like, wow, like this is from the past. This is from the metaphysical revolution of the seventies. And this is actually from the future as well. So let's kind of pivot around and look at all these angles today. I think you're going to like today's episode. Welcome to the Crystal Clarity Podcast. It's time to settle in once again with the stones. My name is Sarah Thomas. I'm a healer, an educator, and an expert in the field of ancient stone medicine and future crystal technologies that heal and awaken. All right, let's relax into some crystal clarity. Welcome back to episode 12. So only four times a year, we share a masterclass, which is a specific deep dive into a topic and stone and crystal medicine. Only two of those masterclasses every year are absolutely free. One of those is coming up. It is called creating clear energetic protections with stones. And I will put the link in the description to register. It's coming up on September 13th. So if you're listening to this in the future, know that there is probably a masterclass or a class that is right for you. All you have to do is go to upperclarity.com to join the next class or get on our list. So I hope to see you all at creating clear energetic protections with stones. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I've been working with this for a long time. And also we are opening our nine week full certification course in stone and crystal medicine soon. We only open that every fall and every spring. So if you're ready to take a deep dive into the ancient texts and into the stone medicine archives, come with me, make sure you're on the list, click the links in the description or go to upperclarity.com to read about and potentially join that alchemical journey. I want to start with stone medicine. And I think the easiest way to talk about stone medicine is to let you know that when I'm saying stone medicine, I am kind of saying herbal medicine. And I want to start off with that to just kind of help you wrap your mind around, oh, okay, herbal medicine is when we look at all of the constituents of all of these herbs and plants, what's inside them, 
the law of signature, meaning the way that they're, they're formed and the way that they're shaped, give us clues to what they can do. The exploration of how all of these plants work in different parts of the body, the respiratory system, the cardiovascular system, the urinary system, and that we can create healing and longevity with all of these different herbs, right? There's a big catalog of herbs that create our herbal medicine and it works, right? It's really important medicine. When I'm saying stone medicine, I'm essentially saying, I'm talking about herbal medicine, but I'm talking about stones. I'm talking about a whole library of stones and minerals and the different things that they can do, a whole catalog of research, a whole group of people gathering knowledge, a whole bunch of people doing experiments on what stones and minerals can do for healing. And we do the same thing in stone medicine. We study the constituents of the stones, the chemical composition. We get to look at crystal structure in stones. We get to look at color in stones. We get to look at all of these different classifications that tell us how the medicine of the stones and minerals are going to direct themselves into the body and the fields around the body and how we can work with them for healing and longevity. But stones take us all the way back in ancient Taoist China, this is where stone medicine began. This is where this term began around even the fourth century BC, the fourth century BC, like 400 BC, the first writing started to emerge that we still have around using stones and minerals for healing. So this is old and, and it's the, the ancient Taoists started compiling this information and walking with the stones and doing experiments with the stones to figure out how they could work for healing. And they were doing this with all of nature. They were working with cataloging science, experimentation around animal parts, around seashells, around seaweed, around seeds, grains, um, herbs, of course, trees, nuts. Everything in this world had a purpose, you know, everything in this world has a purpose, quite like the indigenous people of North America and a lot of indigenous people perceive that everything has a purpose. So everything can be used for healing. Everything has a, a medicine to it. And stones and minerals, of course, are part of that. Of course, they're part of that compendium. Like think of looking at everything in nature and then you're seeing this glistening, beautiful crystal emerge out of the ground or finding this crystal in the earth. Like that is special. Of course, that was part of this. There's no way that that would have been excluded. I mean, everything was a part of it. So because they walked into it with that kind of respect and that kind of openness, that everything has medicine. Stones had a very important place in, in healing and crystals and stones became a really important part as they walked through the study and gathered all of this information and wrote all of this down. I mean, I know an ancient stone medicine practitioner where the story is that he went door to door in throughout villages and traveled just to ask people, do you know anything about what stone medicine is doing? Like, can you help me with my, my Ben Sal, which is my own personal journal about what stones are doing? Like, what are they doing in your household? Like that commitment to researching what stones and minerals do. So stones and minerals, actually what they discovered is healing and longevity work really well with plants. Plants and herbs are beautiful for healing and longevity. And then they started to see that, oh, but if you want to experience immortality, and this is where we go all the way back to, you know, turning lead into gold and all of the things that they did 
you know, working with this crucible to create these pills of immortality that was very stone medicine focused. They went to stones and crystals to look towards immortality, transcendence and awakening. And that connection is something that I will have to share with you in another podcast episode, but just know that stones got really linked up to awakening. And still to this day, stone medicine, gold, silver, mercury, all of these important crystals, um, metals are worked with to see, can we find a way to transcend? Can we try, find a way to like kind of break free of the illusion that we're in? They work with the brain, right? They work with the consciousness. So they open up our sensory orifices and help us find the world in another way. And, you know, of course, plants also work for consciousness, right? And stones can also work for material level health and longevity. It's just that plants kind of work better for healing and longevity in the material world. And stones kind of work better for awakening consciousness activations, revelations, opening up the codes in the DNA, because they're kind of little seeds, you know? So stones also in ancient, and let me just show you actually, well, I know I'm shaking this so you could probably hear it on the podcast, but um, on YouTube, if you're watching, you can see that I'm holding up this jar of actual herbal peridot. This is herbal peridot. So you can order at the acupuncture supply store along with herbs, you can order crystals and, and it's really kind of low quality peridot. And they expect that you're going to, this is an old echinacea label on here, but they expect that you're going to open this up and crush it up and use it as an herb. And that's how it worked in ancient China on the material side of things. I'm going to show you this peridot. Um, and I will put pictures in the blog for those of you that are listening, but it's just little kind of like low quality peridot. It's very material, like rough rock peridot. And I also have here, I'll show you it just, for those of you that are listening, it just looks like these little green stones. And this is fluorite. So this is herbal medicine fluorite. It's just, you can, you can see the little tag in here. I'll put these in the blog if you want to see these, but you can see the little plat tag in here. It's telling you, just giving you the herbal information and see, it says fluorite. So you can still get this today. I mean, this is still worked with today. I also have a jar of pyrite, really like low quality pyrite. And they expect that you would crush this up and, and dose it in the material level, right? At like three, six, nine grams a day. And that you would ingest this and, I want to definitely make a caveat that I don't want any of you guys ingesting stones. There's a whole, we need to do other podcast episodes about that, but there's a whole, you know, safety importance and safety. So don't just start ingesting stones, but I wanted you to see that herbal medicine and stone medicine are linked. You know, if you are in Taoist thinking, if you're in Chinese medicine thinking, you just see stones as another part of nature that you can use and work with. Now the stones also to the Taoists and ancient Chinese were very influenced by the cycles, rhythms, and forces of nature. We were just talking about that in episode 11. They are part of the body of the earth. So they come from the heart of the goddess. And in that, you know, nature is a doorway. All of nature is a doorway for all of us to experience the true multi-dimensional nature of reality and to experience who we truly are and traverse into other worlds and to awaken 
all of nature is that portal. Stones are specifically potent as gateways to other worlds, trans-dimensional forces that can move between worlds. Stones and crystals are ways that the ancient Chinese would communicate with other worlds. It's They are ways that they would communicate with their spiritual allies and guides. They are just like the way that we put a crystal in a radio. They are They can receive, absorb, transduce, conduct, transmit energy, frequency, and vibration. And you can feel the shamanic roots, right? As I talk about this, you can feel that stones becoming uh, these gateways to other worlds. This is sourced in the shamanic roots in stone medicine in Taoist China and all over the world, right? It's anybody that was, that was working with nature was working with not just this dimension, but other dimensions. And anybody that was working with nature was also working with a mirror, so they were seeing themselves. And that is so important about this. Like what is even important about this whole episode is that the most important thing that we can all be doing right now is waking up. I mean, that's that's the directive right now. That's why I'm here. That's the whole reason why I'm here in this funny body. It's like, it's time to awaken. It's time to evolve. It's time to experience what we came into this dream to experience and, and you know have the experience and purpose that we came here to. I can feel my DNA buzzing as I say this, actually, like all of my DNA is like, yes, we're remembering our purpose. We're remembering who we really are. Stones are very important to that. And when we work as stone medicine practitioners, acupuncturists, most of us are really concerned with the spiritual origins of the disease. So we think about the physical and then we're like, but what are, are there spiritual origins of this disease? Could this have come from uh, a deep emotional state? Could this have come from a trauma? Could this come from even another lifetime reality or dimension? So we we dive deep. And especially with stones, you want to be diving deep because that's what they connect to. They're really deep medicine. Stone medicine is very much connected to the material worlds, the way I'm showing you these material stones that you can crush up and ingest. Like there's nothing more material than that. And they're also I mean, the beauty of them is that they then are our are, are greatest ally to span into immateriality and metaphysical work. So in stone medicine, what's so lovely about it is that there's such a, you know, the Taoists were, they were very interested in lineage. They were very interested in knowledge, right? There's so many Taoist sages. That's about having the light of knowledge and the light, that light of knowledge, like that interest, that desire definitely soaked to the stones, you know, the stones, they looked at it as like, we are compiling science. We have a grounded way to do that. We want to uh, approach this through the material, material reality. And what I want to, you know, reiterate is that we look at stones through their constituents, through the material aspects. We look at the chemical composition, what is inside it. We look at the crystal structure. There are seven crystal structures. We look at color. We look at how the silicate structure is inside silicates and what that tells us about them. We look at up to 16 different classifications and, and there's more, you know, 16 is just a way to say that there's definitely 16 classifications of stones. So you could look at all that, write that all down. What level of the earth is it formed in? And then it starts to branch into 
that that way that we hold the spiritual origins of disease, there's also the spiritual energy that has touched the stone, meaning that a, you know, quartz from Columbia has a different spiritual energy than a quartz from Arkansas. So that's geography. A stone that has been harvested in a certain way is going to pick up a certain spiritual energy. So we can call that harvest, right? All of this affects the stones and the properties that the stone is going to have. And so we can look back into ancient texts and the Chinese invented the printing press. Remember, that's how much they love knowledge and stone and books and like having their books around, like keep the knowledge, right? There's such an important place for wisdom, which I'm about to talk about next, but the knowledge is so important too. That's what actually lights our path. Without knowledge, we're just in the dark. So we can look back in books and see, wow, they used emerald to treat syphilis. Emerald can treat syphilis because it is antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, right? They they use emerald for pandemics. I mean, what else would they be using? They didn't have pharmaceutical companies telling them what to use. So they use sulfur, right, to be antifungal. So sulfur stone, it's it's just very kind of A plus B equals C. It's conceptual. It's rational. Uh, sulfur is antifungal. It kills parasites. And then watch the bridge right here too. It's material. It can kill parasites in the body on the material plane, but that is always going to connect to on the immaterial plane, parasites connect to ghosts or something that is kind of eating away at us. That's not really us, something that's here to feed on us. So we work for with sulfur to work with ghosts. And you see, I just made that little jump from just saying something that any doctor would accept, like sulfur is antifungal. That's why we take grapeseed extract because the active ingredient in grapeseeds is sulfur and that is antifungal. So anybody can accept that. But then because we we make that bridge and this kind of thinking, like anything that's eating away at us, there's going to be a spiritual resonance that there's something else eating away at us too. And that could be a ghost. It could be any kind of like lost soul energy, any kind of vampiric energy. So we kind of allow ourselves to hold both the material and immaterial. And I can't even imagine doing it any other way. We can look back in texts and see that they would work with pyrite for blood building and they would work with pyrite for alchemy and transformation, right? Just making the jump again, the iron is the blood building, but when you have the iron and the sulfur together, there's this great alchemy between that. So pyrite becomes an important stone for consciousness because alchemy creates consciousness. So I love stones and I love stone medicine because it's this, they, they represent this beautiful bridge. They are this beautiful bridge between the material and immaterial worlds. And that's what we are. I mean, how could we be a holistic thinker or a holistic healer without acknowledging that we are multidimensional and everything within us is multidimensional and everything in this earth is multidimensional. You know, it's not like certain things are and certain things aren't. It's just, we have to kind of make that jump between the material and immaterial world. We have to pay attention to the material world because we are here in the material world and have material bodies. So one of the ancient practitioners, his name was Gahong, and he is an ancient Taoist thinker. And he would say that stones are actually the laboratory of all possibility. And he knew herbs and he knew animals and seashells and he knew all of the trees and all the things he knew all of it, but
but he would say stones are what to focus on because they are the laboratory of all possibility. And what that means is if you look at all possibility as the divine, all possibility is the field of all possibility. It's the true universal intelligence. It's infinite. That looks at this material world and says, okay, stones are my laboratory. Stones are kind of my playground to share frequency and impart possibility and impart energy, right? And impart awakening into that material world. So stones are the laboratory of all possibility. That's the same guy that would go door to door, by the way, to collect that research. So he had a passion for stones. And also, before I jump over to crystal healing, I just want to remind you that stones in stone medicine were also the first acupuncture needles. There was no stainless steel acupuncture factory at the time. They were acupuncture. They were the first acupuncture needles because they knew, of course, metals conduct energy, right? If you look at an acupuncture needle, it's not like a little coin on the skin. It's not a little feather on the skin. It's not a little piece of cow dung on the skin. It's not a little piece of like chameleon skin on the skin, you know, it's like all these things. It's actually a piece of metal sticking up like a skyscraper coming out of the skin. Now, what does lightning strike? Lightning strikes the Empire State Building. Lightning strikes a skyscraper standing up made out of metal. They knew that acupuncture needles could conduct energy, not just electromagnetic energy, but the energies beyond that, the unified field energies. Crystals were the first acupuncture needles because yes, they're made of metals. They're made of silicates that are great record keepers that, I mean, all of our crystal trips are silicates. They absorb, store, transduce, conduct, regulate, order energy, and then move it. So now that's a, just kind of like a run through of like, what is stone medicine is all of those things. And it has kind of become extinct and it's kind of resurrecting, but what is crystal healing? How are they different? Now, the perception for me of crystal healing, just growing up in the West here, um, the perception kind of like the meme of that. And I think what comes to mind for many of us are things like in the seventies, this revolution, this awakening began um, in the sixties and seventies and people started waking up to, I mean, they had a shift in consciousness. They started awakening to higher worlds. They started awakening to greater purpose. It was uh, a nice shift that we had. And along with that, all of this information about metaphysical healing popped up and all of this information about crystal healing started to pop up. And I have my books. Here's some old crystal healing books. The The psychic value of gemstones, crystals, and their uses. These are kind of these old metaphysical books, exploring Atlantis. I like collecting these old metaphysical crystal books. These popped up. And as you know, for the most part, nothing I'm saying is like a hundred percent all the time, but for the most part, these were channeled books. So somebody like this started with Blavatsky, it went into Edgar Cayce, you know, channeling became a thing that we could just close our eyes and meditate and start talking and, and conducting these different frequencies and tuning in. And all of these, most of these people that wrote these books, they were channeling and they started talking to the crystals in their own way. And they started writing down. And a lot of this was like, oh, I'm remembering what's happening in Atlantis. I'm remembering what's happening in a little Moria or on another world. And we're kind of bringing that knowledge back. And they were channeling 
And then they would write down their channeled information in these books. It had a strong connection to like the chakras, the chakra, chakra system is very involved in what we now think of in the West as crystal healing and also to ascended masters and guides. And there's a lot of emphasis on the upper chakras. There's a lot of emphasis on the third eye, the crown, you know, awakening. There wasn't a lot of emphasis on how do we heal like a UTI. There was not a lot of emphasis on this material healing and longevity piece. There wasn't a lot of talk about what you would do with a jar of crushed up pyrite, right? Or how you would work with like syphilis with stone medicine or how you would take six to nine grams a day and work in the material world with stones. It was more about ascension. And now crystal healers are now seen in the West as like pretty much the most woo-woo thing that you could talk about. I mean, it's such a low hanging fruit for anybody who wants to make fun of anything new agey or woo-woo, they will go to crystals and they say the word woo-woo all the time. And that's another podcast episode about exactly where that term came from and what that really means, uh, which is a beautiful story. But now crystal healers are, there's there's very little credibility. Uh, I mean, I see my students quite a bit. They, they learn, they come through a certification course and they're like, now how do I get people to come into me? Because in the West, this is just woo-woo. You know, it's not scientific only very certain people will accept that crystals could do any kind of healing. And we get made fun of a lot, myself included. We get made fun of, we get comments on our things that this is all bogus and doesn't work. And, you know, the material aspects people may accept the immaterial aspects. Um, some people just still can't accept that, that, that we could be working with unseen forces that we could be working with invisible worlds that we can experience things that we may not even be able to describe. And definitely that we can experience things that we can't see, smell, taste, touch. There are many people that still can't accept that. So whatever is happening inside them about that, um, they become triggered and then they lash out and say that crystal healers are woo woo. So there's nothing wrong with crystal healing. There's nothing wrong with making alliances metaphysically or to new age masters or to channeling. Um, there's nothing wrong with that inher inherently at all. In fact, I greatly suggest that we work with both knowledge and inner revelation and direct revelation and connection with what we know within. I think that what I've seen so much happen and what is unfortunate is that for most people, they'll find a crystal that they connect to and maybe they're at the crystal shop and they'll find a, a crystal they connect to. And it's like some kind of resonance is on some kind of resonance starts to take place or they wouldn't have picked it up. And there's some way that that crystal attracted them vibrationally but they get this moment of joy. Like there's this moment of childlike heart connection. And then the first thing they do is go grab one of these channeled books. And most of the stone books to this day are channeled and they'll read about what does this stone do? And then they just, they go right into the mind. They go right into concept and then it's lost. It's like something that could have taken them 
on an internal journey gets broken at that moment often. And they just kind of look at that and go, okay, what, maybe they'll pick out a piece that's like, okay, this is good for breakups. Um, but that place that that stone like vibrationally attracted them, it was trying to take them. It gets cut by the concepts in the mind and it gets kind of almost in worst case scenario, they'll be like, well, I was working with Rose Quartz for this because I could really feel this. But now I'm reading in this book that this outer teacher, outer authority is saying it doesn't do that at all, or you should never sleep with Rose Quartz or that's really bad for you, but that's what I was doing. And then sometimes we get this place of distrust in our own connection. And I've just seen that happen with a lot of books and things like that. And I know you have too. It's, we see people read the book to see what it says. And they're just like, okay, this is for, the connection with the vibration of the number six and the connection with Saturn. And it's just, it's so abstract. It's so conceptual. It's so kind of broken from personal experience that there can be non-helpful. <laughs> there can just be non-helpful things that come from that. So the difference between stone medicine and crystal healing um, it's all just really the concepts that we are creating about it and what we've been taught and programmed and conditioned to believe and understand um, so much of what we're programmed and conditioned to believe and perceive is unconscious. So we don't even know that we have these thoughts and ideas about crystal healing or stone medicine. But I would say the the main difference for me is that stone medicine is rooted in the ancient past, it is rooted in an ancient collection of catalog knowledge of science that is rooted in the constituents of the stones, the classifications of stones. It is rooted and grounded in the material world in a way that we can all have a common language. We can all look at it and say, no, that makes sense because sulfur really does do that in the body. Now I feel like I have something to stand on to move forward and understand more. So we get this credibility from that material connection. We get a common language, you know, we get empowerment from that materiality. And so many people over the years have said to me, that was the first time I ever heard something kind of grounded about stone medicine and they love it. So it doesn't mean that they don't love the, the higher vibes side to stones and crystals. It just means that they wanted that balance. They wanted that balance of grounded knowledge. And then the higher metaphysical vibes. So stone medicine is um, rooted in the material. It's ancient, it's old, but it also bridges into the immaterial so beautifully. It is uh, something that has really gone extinct and we are working to resurrect. It's something that many masters have kind of Many masters have encoded kind of the crystal of stone medicine with their own experiments, their own work, their own knowledge, their own experiences with working with it, and then passed it along and it landed in books or it was passed along through an oral tradition. And to the crystal healers out there, those of you who have been holding this up and standing behind it maybe some of you since the 60s or 70s or 80s, those of you who have been having the courage to stand up and say, yeah, I do crystal healing treatment or I'm going to place this crystal on you. Those of you, I know that moment. I know that moment where you take that risk with that client or a person and you say, you know what, I'm going to give you this and you do your best to explain it. 
you do your best to meet them where they are with it. Um, and underneath all of it is just your desire to unzip something, like maybe have this moment where they can feel this sparkle or where, you know, we spend so much of our time in our relatively low state of consciousness underwater. We spend so much time just in the past, in the programs, forgetting, you know, and, and we just, I know that you just want to, you want to give them this moment where they can like breathe, where their head can come up out of water and they can see the true reality. So for all of you that have been doing crystal healing, amen to you. Thank you for bringing that into this world. And I know that the courage that you have, and I know what's behind that for all of you. And I know that you haven't had always the language to speak about it. You haven't had always the, like the common ground to talk about it in such a way, but you went and you did it anyway. And you offered it because why? Because you had a connection with the stones. It all goes back in the end to those shamanic roots of that one connection, that piece of just, I just feel this. And for you to have the courage to kind of bring that out into the world in a world that really doesn't accept it, the modern West, um, I thank you. And if any of you are here listening, write something in the comments, let us know that you're there. So I'm doing what I can to bring this tiny little sprout of stone medicine back after its time in the underworld for the past uh, few hundred years. And I feel like it's just a, it's a beautiful time to just hold what is, what is stone medicine? What is crystal healing and how can they come together? How can they be the same? And how can they be different? How can we kind of like swim them together? Like two Birkeland currents, like two kind of swimming little forces, like, like the Kundalini energy so that they can swim on together and like the best of both of those worlds can be actualized into this world all right that's my take on it you can share anything with me about your take i will see you in episode 13.